Hello listeners and welcome to the Veterans Care Association and Timor Awakening podcast. The Timor Awakening program is an 11-day, immersive, holistic and peer-to-peer veterans program that has a singular vision, to promote the health and well-being of veterans and their families. We are currently running programs both domestically on the Gold Coast at St. George's Defence Holiday Suites, as well as internationally in Timor-Leste. We use the Timor Awakening programs as an opportunity to sit down with our participants, either one-on-one or in a group setting, and conduct podcast interviews to capture their stories and their lessons learned, providing insights we can all learn from as we as veterans and wounded healers move through our own journeys and help others do the same. We'll be covering a whole range of topics including defence transition, mental health, relationships, veteran suicide, peer mentoring, PTSD and post-traumatic growth. So whether you're out and about, listening to this at home or driving in your car, we do trust that you'll get a lot out of listening to our participants. Thank you and enjoy. So, you know, it would be, if I was working with someone, as you're describing, you know, it would be working to simple stuff, starting to notice the good in others, outside of this strong mateship group, the good in your family, what they give you, what they offer you, simple gratitude practice, but with your focus there, not I'm so grateful for my mates. We all know that's a given, but now shifting some of what you've learned. So you already got the skill. That's what's cool, what you're describing. You've already got a skill set of comradeship, connection, sharing, trusting. You got that. So you, t- you, you would look at small, manageable, bite-sized ways of bringing those skills across over to that person who has kept the, you know, the ship running at home and how to um, start to bring those things in so that they get something from the game you know, that they're into so that they're not left feeling isolated and shut out and, gee, you know, you tell your mates everything, but I don't know anything about you. Heard that before? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it would be a process of... But I, that would probably be the one thing that I could think of right now. Look at the skill set you already have. What of that could I just right now, just one piece of that, could I apply with my partner? And experiment. And if that didn't go so well, don't give up. Experiment again. Because, you know, when you've had a partner who's been shut out for a long time and you start to open up, they may not receive you with great joy. Oh, you're finally sharing with me. They may not be so enthusiastic. They might say, geez, I've been waiting freaking 10, 15, 20, 30 years for this. And, and have a go at you. They could. They could. (laughs) So then you stay with it and you don't allow it. You have compassion and understanding that having been shut out and sidelined for a long time is painful. Yeah? And you keep at it, you know? Use your warrior sort of self to stay with it. Mm. How does that land for everybody? things in my brain like the I had little boxes in my brain 
and um, like the you know there was the military box and then there was a civilian little box and the two don't go together so I'd never talk about military sort of stuff at home um, so like I'd never talk so it took me oh there's still stuff that I haven't told my wife that we we did on operations that like we would talk about with mates that were there so yeah, there's and so for you I mean uh, well I just want to check you're sharing that and I really appreciate you sharing that as well is do you also have a question with that? No, I was just... Just, just yeah, following on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Two separate worlds. Yeah. yeah. And she's not that keen on that idea, the wife, being um, shut out. No, it's all... She's not real keen on that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So it's, you know, um, if you shared some, some of the stuff that you can't share it might be because you know there's ele other elements associated with it you know other elements you know of guilt or shame I worked with a guy in Cambodia he was um, special ops or something like really high he's an American guy and um, he'd done quite a few tours in through Afghanistan and pretty messed up with it all came back annihilated himself for a number of years, completely ruined and wrecked his family, doing full-on drugs, alcohol, the whole, you know, everyone knows the spiel, right? And um, um, so we did a little bit of work together and, you know, the thing for him was the um, being haunted by some of the stuff he had to do. And so his shame around that was the stuff that didn't, encourage him to share because if I told my partner that they're going to think I'm a terrible person because I am I believe I'm a terrible person because of the things I had to do so that could that can be another reason that you um, don't share things so if you but what you could do is you could say you could say things more like to let that person you know, who loves you in a little bit more. Um, I did, I have a lot of shame around some of the things that we had to do. It was part of the job, but, you know, I have a lot of shame around that. So that's why it's difficult for me to share, you know. And then you would probably want to think about dealing with that, you know, so that, um, because living with that level of shame is not healthy. Yeah, and it keeps... Yours in, I mean, guys tend to have little boxes in their brains anyway. <laughs> but, it, but if you're not opening a box and sharing with, you know, your partner who um, you want to deepen relationship with, you, you, you're going to run the risk of not deepening relationship with and both of you feeling less than satisfied with things. That's what happens. You're going to be both of you less than satisfied. And you'll go and get filled up with your mates with, in terms of, you know, all my connection and stuff like that. Now I'm all right here. And then she'll have to go off and have, get herself filled up with her girlfriends or her interests. And you end up just doing that, which I'm sure um, many of you have probably experienced or experiencing right now. Um, so it's how can I bring some of this into this.
personality relationship types are attracted to others oh, yeah. can you talk about that a little bit more I can so what I'll say is the the we've got one more one more um, which is called the fearful avoidant disorganized attachment I'm okay to skip over that um, or, or touch on it a little bit and just if if you want to hear a little bit more about oh wow we're really on up to time gosh <laughs> 10 minutes okay you know what with I'm going to say with a disorganized attachment that's generally 2% of the population I'm going to come back right at 2% of the population it tends to be that you've had a very um, tumultuous traumatic childhood or you may have had a traumatic event happen in your life and it can throw you into disorganised. And then um, that's very difficult. But basically the disorganised attached style is um, uh, the extremes of the two that I've just described. So you can read back over the anxious and the avoidant and that's extreme ends that a disorganised person will be and they can flip and they... Uh, like. In an instant, I've worked with people with that one and whew, not easy to work with, not easy for them to live with themselves and not easy for them to be in relationship at all. It's difficult for them to have relationships um, because they can flip, they can become really hostile very quickly or really uh, go from warm to very hostile or from warm to shut down like that and you don't even know what you did. So... Um, very difficult to have relationship with someone like that. They need a very secure partner and a lot of understanding, a lot of reassurance. So uh, they tend to live in chaos and cause a lot of chaos. Um, I, I, I'll cut that one short, <laughs> um, even though it probably deserves a little more attention. But I think it's really cool to understand a little bit about the most common, and so we've got eight, eight minutes. Keep track of me, okay? <laughs> Do the tell me to wind it up, um, because this is so interesting. You know, it's a natural chemistry between an avoidant and an anxious, and generally that that's because historically both of them, if they grew up and were avoidant or an anxious growing up, they are going to be attracted to someone who stimulates the same experience of love that they had as a child. So, you know, their needs not being met or being um, smothered or, you know, uh, various combinations. We are, I really believe this and I've seen it so often, we're constantly on this journey when it comes to attraction. To We get attracted to people who remind us or are like the love that we've known. And there's a whole theory called the Imago theory. A guy called Harvell Hendricks wrote a book about it. And so we tend to go for people who are a combination of, both of our parents, which is a frightening thought. <laughs> and you have to sometimes dig deep on that one. I had to. How's my husband like my mother and my father together? And whew, it took a while for me to nut that one out. So there's this... Uh, push-pull between the anxious and the avoidant and a chemistry and actually often an avoidant and, and an anxious if they meet a secure person they lose interest pretty quick they're boring they consider them boring 
and uninteresting. They're too reliable, they're too dependable, they're too there for me, too boring, right? I remember when I was like 18, my best girlfriend, she had this gorgeous man that she met and she's saying, oh, and, and he was a really good guy and they went out for about a year and then she said, oh, we've broken up. And I said, oh, what happened? She said, he was just so boring for me. And she, I know she grew up in a household where her, her father was an alcoholic. So that, there's going to be chaos with that. Um, so even though, so as an anxious person and an avoidant person in a relationship, you both know you've got unhealthy patterns. And you both, so the anxious person will say, look, if I... Um, um, but there's so much potential here. We're so good together sometimes. But, you know, if only my partner would just get with the program, you know, and stop being afraid of love, then we'd be okay. Yeah? And uh, we'll work this out. And because no one could love them as much as I do, says the anxious. And, um, you know, you... Um, uh, but you as the anxious person, you are attracting someone in who's not going to appreciate you as much as you need to be because that's a pretty tall order anyway. So um, you, um, the avoidant behaves completely independently in a relationship and the anxious behaves completely dependently. So you've got the two, um, the two aspects of what you should have got growing up, which is healthy dependence and healthy independence. You've got them now in two people, like too much dependence and too much independence. And, and you cannot bring it together. So um, what happens with uh, the anxious, so you, you're doing really well. You're having a lovely time together. The avoidant then starts getting a little bit nervous. Things are getting a bit emotional. Things are getting a bit cosy. So you could be dating someone, for example. You, have a, you go away for a weekend together, you have a great time. It's sweet. And, and one of you, the anxious person, is thinking, oh my God, this is it. It's on. And then you go home and you don't hear from that person, the avoidant, for two weeks. They just disappear off the radar. And you are now furious. And you're checking your phone every five minutes. That's what the anxious will do. Has he... Or has she message? Has he message? It's not gender orientated, um, and uh, and so then you um, and then the avoidant messes, messages you at like two a.m. in the morning. Miss you, <laughs> you know, and you're going, where have you been? But as an anxious person, you're very very aware of your neediness. You don't want to show it because it's not cool, and you've already been told before and given the message. You're too needy usually by a previous avoidant partner. And so um, you go, oh, hi, how you doing? And you give nothing away. So you play this game. Then you end up coming together for in the, into a more permanent situation. And you're not so cool as the anxious anymore. You, if you're not getting um, the attention that you need, your needs aren't being met um, because the avoidant just won't, they refuse. Um, I'm working with a couple at the moment. He's avoidant. She's anxious. He says he thinks that she should do those things that he asks her to do because it would be good for her. It doesn't go well. That does not go well. 
<laughs> it's not so, it sounds reasonable. <laughs> well, it does to him because he had to, he had to learn to solely rely on himself and he's okay. Why can't you learn that? You're so needy. So then she's deeply wounded rather than saying, yeah, okay, you're right. I probably do need to be a bit more independent. Nope. She escalates and loses it and says, you don't care for me. You're never there for me. You're such an asshole. You know, I don't know why I stay. I'm going to leave you and uh, maybe flounces off or, or he shuts down. She chases him and he's, he's now completely walled her out, doesn't hear a word. And it's this Mexican standoff. Uh, funny I should say that they're living in Mexico, right? I didn't. <laughs> um, so um, this is a really common scenario. Now what happens is the avoidant then, if the anxious, she's had enough or he's had enough of, um, of this being walled out or I'm so busy at work, I've, um, you know, look, honey, I'll, uh, you know, when I'm finished this project, we'll catch up, we'll have this intimate time together. And, she, and she'll say, or he'll say, you've been saying that for 10 years. There's always another project. You'll never, you know, and then off they go again. If the avoidance starts to feel the anxious cool off, back away and go, I've had enough. I am so done with this. The avoidant. Because they actually, even though they seem like they're opposites, they're very alike. They're both insecure for a start. Um, it's just that one is like a rock and doesn't show it and the other one spills out everywhere with it. Um, but they're both afraid of being abandoned. They're both afraid of not being loved. So they just exhibit it differently. How are we doing? Probably winding it up. So <laughs> there is, um, there's many things. Can these relationships... Look, some of the literature, literature says if you're um, an anxious don't date an avoidant, don't hook up with them, it's going to be a disaster. And an avoidant, don't hook up with an anxious, it's going to be a disaster. But I don't know why they even bother writing that stuff because you're going to. It happens. It's, it's, it's unavoidable. Hey? <laughs> no one's got labels. Hey? No one's got labels. No one, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, people go, people write. And they'll go, these are the red flags I'm going to look for, especially an anxious. They're the red flags for an avoidant. I'm going to watch out for that. But you know what? They, they just keep going there anyway. It's a matter of can it work? Yes, it can. But both people have to learn skills. The avoidant has to learn about opening up. They need to start learning and noticing uh, uh, all their signals about when they're starting to shut down and withdraw and stay the course, put their big boots on and stay the course, you know. And the anxious needs does need to start learning to meet their own needs and, so, and they both need to learn to self-care better. There's a lot of stuff you can do, which is a good thing because there's so many people on the planet that are in this arrangement. So that's all we've got time for. There's so much more we could talk about, yeah. That's why we did a day before, right? And even then, there was so much more. Um, but yeah. Um, so when I'm working with people, either as singles or uh, in, in couples, we're looking at how to change these scenarios and then how to become more independent, have your own interests, come together then and share 
these things together. Thank you so much, everybody, for your attention, your time and interest in having me here. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I'm going to be sticking around for lunch, so if anyone wants to ask me any more, I'm happy. Yeah. The seven-year itch a real thing. Yeah, I think there's a lot of seven-year cycle things. <laughs> for some, it can be seven days, seven months. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening, guys. And if you do have any comments or questions, feel free to reach out to us at support at veteranscare.com.au. And we do, of course, encourage you to share this podcast out to anyone who you feel may benefit from it. Thank you so much and we look forward to connecting with you on the next podcast. Bye for now.